0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 150 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two Canadian women to talk about horses, one from the West Coast of North America and one from the Far East Coast of North America. This is Debbie Laux and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship radio airs on the first and the fifteenth of the month. And of course I have my producer Jen with me today. I choose to always have Jen with me today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
3: novel it's lovely to be here today for the All Canada show, eh? yeah hey yeah
1: exactly they hey a. Hey, hey. you know these girls are devoted to horses i think this is going to be a really fun show it was an accident i have to admit to it that i didn't know that the two canadians were going to be in the same show but it just worked out as a numbers thing and it's kind of cool actually because it's winter this is this is airing actually posting on january 1 and it's very cold up there so i guess this is our winter
3: episode so Winter episode. This is going to be a fun a fun couple of guests. They We've got one gal who is protecting the welfare of some wild or feral horses depending on how you defi- define wild or feral. True. and helping them survive and and maintain their place in their culture up in Canada. And then we have our other guest who is helping protect the welfare and well-being of our domesticated horses. Particularly their hooves, and they're mm-hmm. both so passionate and so articulate yeah. about it. And I really enjoyed their conversation, so we're not going to waste any time. And we're going to jump right in with our first guest right after we hear from our title sponsor today. That's Omega Fields.
1: At Flag is Up Farms, we've used Omega Fields Horseshine for years, and we love the results. And we're not the only ones. Lena Fittiment has this to say about her experience with Omega Horseshine. I was first introduced to Horseshine about 10 years ago by another rider at my barn who used it for her horses and loved it too. Her horses were in such good condition, coat, feet, mane, tail, I decided I had to have a try. I started my horse on it and haven't looked back since. Horseshine is such a great all-around supplement and helps with more than just shine. Although it makes the horses so shiny, it's so palatable. And I find the horses eat it readily and they lick their bowls clean. I've always kept my horses on it since I was first introduced. They always look so good and I always have people comment on how shiny they are. We'll always be happy members of the Horseshine family. Carol Herder is the author of the number one international bestseller, There Are No Horseshoes in Heaven. She's been involved in the horse industry since 1993, and her company, Cavallo Horse and Rider, develops, manufactures, and distributes horse products in 26 countries. Herder designed and developed Cavallo hoof boots and Total Comfort System saddle pads. She presents trainings around the world to teach the benefits of keeping horses in a natural state. Herder has been an honored recipient of the Royal Bank of Canada's Woman Entrepreneur of the Year Award. She's a member of the Women's President's Organization, supporting female entrepreneurs in every industry. Welcome, Carol Herder. Welcome back, I should say. It's been a while since we've had you, and I'm so glad to catch up with you again. How are you?
4: Hey, Debbie Darling. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me up again.
1: Uh, I'm so glad we could squeeze a few minutes in to talk with you. I know you're just off the equine affair in Massachusetts, per. that was just earlier this month of November. And I know you keep busy and your focus is educating people, but did you get some Christmas shopping in at equine affair in Massachusetts too?
4: Actually, I didn't do too bad, you know, some hoof <laughs> rafts and knives. all and <laughs> <A laughs> my trimmers are getting knives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's good. Encourage those guys. That's good. I mm. love Equine Fair, Massachusetts for the shopping. It is yeah. fun for that. Too. And so yeah, many things to learn. One. I love that. So you, mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot believe since 1993, young lady, mm. you've <laughs> been writing and doing videos and blogging and answering emails. I know that personally and always encouraging owners to do right by their horse. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? How how do you do all that and and have the energy to also travel? Because we'll talk a little bit about what you've got upcoming Mm. and speaking and presenting around the world. How do you do that?
2: Well,
4: it's twofold, really, because one part is taking care of myself. So I'm, I'm very, before anything starts in the day, it is self-care time, mm-hmm. which means I do yoga or qigong or a walk in the woods or something like that with my physical body. And also mentally, I spend time in a quiet place uh, in a meditation so so that just gives me internally a lot of strength and and power and sets sort of the barometer for the day. Often I'll place an intention for the day as well. And then, you know, the other thing comes from the community because I get so much energy back. I get so much love and appreciation and Respect, I guess I would mm. say, you know, when I spoke at Equine Fair last week, it was this amazing crowd that cheered and clapped and, you know, they were with me on the mm. journey. And when I get people with me on the journey, it just fuels my energy. So I seek that, you know, but uh, it I, all I, has I'm to glad. start internally and, and then work from there.
1: Yes. And this is why you're, you know, Can- Canada's Woman Entrepreneur of the Year award. It, it's really <laughs> true because you're building your power base from your own body. And I, you know, that is so important for everybody to learn this. This getting up and rushing out and starting to hit the, the social medias at way too soon and, you know, yeah, is just yeah. manic out there, manic out there. It and is. So
4: it's crazy, you know. <clears throat> we are the ones who have to make the decisions for ourselves. So yes. it's got to start with our own self-care.
1: And it's good for our horses, too. It's really and it's great
4: good for them. for our horses. Yeah, they mm-hmm. notice right away if you're m- maniacally thinking 60,000 mm-hmm. thoughts at the same time. You know, they just want to get away from you. <laughs> but exactly. If you're focused and centered and conscious of what you're bringing into their space, then they respond in a positive way.
1: Absolutely. And you can see it. You can see the rigidity in their ears and they're um, holding their breath. You know, they're almost like, I think they worry about us more than we worry about them. And that shouldn't be that way. We're the moms. We should be the other way around. (laughs) There's a a lot of misunderstanding out there in the hoof world. And I thought I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that because that's what you're out on the road trying to counter. Isn't it? Uh-huh, Misunderstandings uh-huh. and then and then adding on to that, the education that you have had over these decades now too. tell us a little bit about where we should have our head with hooves today.
4: The hoofs. Well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, understanding the function of the hoof is important, but pretty simple. Like if you if you just think of the size of a hoof, what is it like maybe five inches from side to side? And a 1,000 pounds of horse coming down on that hoof. So that hoof has to function to absorb that shock and impact. And in order for that to happen, it has to spread apart. You know, that weight has to go somewhere. And the way that happens is the frog makes contact with the ground and spreads the heels. Now... We talk about horses having five hearts, which means one in the chest and the other four being the frogs. And, and the frog's function is to increase blood circulation and back to the heart so that you've got this whole circular system of nutrients and oxygen that the blood carries. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about allowing your horse to make contact with the ground in that manner allows them to function naturally. It, it's just so integral because horses are pre- prey animals. And mm. if that hoof isn't functioning properly, yeah. they can't run. And if the only defense mechanism is mm. to run. Yeah. So yeah. it affects their entire body if the hoof is clamped, uh, you know, with with metal and nails and can't function the way it should and then Mm -hmm. further if the frog can't make contact with the ground to pump the blood and even further than if if you were to take a metal shoe and bang it against a hard surface like asphalt or something you'd feel the concussion up your structure so Mm
1: -hmm.
4: the idea of nailing metal onto horse's feet 24 7 365 days a year is probably not the best you know do we need some protection on the sole because our horses are domesticated yes particularly when they're being ridden because often we want to ride on terrain other than which the hoof is accustomed to Mm -hmm. or conditioned to Mm -hmm. and uh, additionally there's an extra average, say, 200 pounds of weight on the horse's back, you know, with is yeah. rider and tack, mm-hmm. which is pushing the sole further into the terrain that the hoof may not be conditioned to. So, so protection in riding is important. And I, you know, I think that's why, you know, people think that metal shoes protect the hoof, but... The protection doesn't really come in the form of metal shoes, uh, and that's why and that's why we have hoof boots because hoof, uh, hoof boots yeah. provide protection to the entire sole. They still allow the expansion and contraction. They still allow the blood to circulate and 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 the hoof to absorb shock the way it's meant to. You know, mm-hmm. one thing that is happening in the. Uh, Equine world, uh, which I'm kind of sorry to say, but there's there's these camps, you know, of barefoot and shod. <laughs> and, you know, okay. it's unfortunate because you know they're kind of saying, oh, we should be barefoot, and then you know farriers ah. are saying we should be shod, and you know, I mean, nobody sets out to to do it wrong. You know, right. we're all learning and we're all trying to do the right thing. So of course. You know, I think we should all be more together in our efforts um, to end up with a healthy hoof functioning the way it should. Yeah, Yeah.
1: good for you being fair to the horse, Uh, whatever their job. I mean, we have. I know you come in all the circles that we do, which is from the most amateur rider who just enjoys their horse being healthier, to the the superpower professional. You know, but I find I find at the highest levels of competition that owner and that trainer and that rider also want to do what's fair and best to their horse too. I think that's, that is changing in the last 20 years or so. And I'm not even just talking about hooves. I am talking about the holistically, the horse, but even, even talking about shoes too. Um, I think we're starting to see that natural progression back. And and do you also inform people of prevention then too? I mean, it's not just like, "Hey, should I my horse have shoes on or not?" And what's the best for what we do and what terrain? But can you can you help us get a foot back into shape? You know, that's um, or the health of the horse, which is affecting the hoof too, like overweight. I'm thinking.
4: Right, right. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the overweight issue is a good one to bring up okay. because lately a lot of what I've been discussing has been the um condition of laminitis. Mm-hmm. And and the new information is it you know, it's not solely a condition of the foot at all of the lamella separating from mm-hmm. The hoof wall, you know, and I mean, it's it's and laminitis, it, you know, when it progresses, it it becomes founder when the coffin bone drops through the mm-hmm. sole, and it's it's like ripping a fingernail away from your finger, like it's very very painful and it can be very very stressful, and you know, it's it's something that a lot of horse owners are afraid of and having to deal with, so. One of the things that's come to light lately is about the microbiome. So, you know, like why, why are there six horses in a field of fresh grass in the spring and one of them gets laminitis and the mm-hmm. other doesn't? you know mm-hmm. so it's a combination of things and the microbiome is part of it that's that's very important because everything that the horse ingests or experiences like wormers medications mm-hmm. even a birthing experience or any kind of stress can affect the microbiome and since horses are constantly exposed to microbes and bugs and germs and bacteria from the food and water, mm-hmm. you know, there's this whole process that happens in the stomach and the small intestine with these dizzying amounts of bacteria and they colonize in the upper intestinal tract and it's this big commotion of sugars and starches. And so people say, oh, you know, we can't feed our horse. We have to be on a low sugar diet or we can't, our horse can't go out on the the rich grass and you know because of the sugar content but it's more than that it's it's got to do with how how those are absorbed to produce Mm -hmm. fats and glucose in the liver and and horses are a hind gut fermenter which Mm -hmm. is really great because it means that everything the horse ingests and all that flora gets to gets to um, be digested again a second Mm -hmm. time yeah. So, you know, it's a perfect system really and and we should understand it and not mess with it. You know, one of my best examples is brumbies. So, they're wild horses or mustangs, but they're in the continent of Australia. And mm-hmm. Australia is about the same geographical size as the USA, and there's 1.3 million brumbies in the outback. In the in the USA, what do they say? Like something between twenty five and thirty five thousand. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. one point 3... of fifty, but way less than that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So one point three million wild brown bees. That's crazy. And the outback is a stark, aggressive place. Mm-hmm. Like they just masticate on twigs and shrubs mm-hmm. and they're like scavengers. Yeah. But not only are they surviving, they're thriving. Yeah. So horses shouldn't necessarily be fed all this rich food that we're giving them. Yeah. <laughs> and all these supplements, you know, to try to mask the problems of not providing them a natural, a natural environment. You know, not really rich. Like, you know, alfalfa, for example, is meant to uh, grow a cow, um, really big, really fast, and it's not really a horse feet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, feet is a big consideration. Porting the entire system with, you know, in a wild horse environment, he'd be moving around on really aggressive terrain, he'd be trimming his feet. Yes. So, yes. you know, allowing your horse some movement, which which is hard. I mean, if you if you have six horses or something on five acres, maybe you don't have a lot of room to move. You know, and horses are meant to move. So mm-hmm. there's a thing called paddock paradise where I you... I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know. Do you, you know see, about it, Debbie? I you put do. A-
1: you know, Jamie Jackson mm. actually had a place uh, right. just about 20, 30 minutes from our house. And yeah. uh, he's moved now. I've forgotten where he's gone now, but but I still find him online, of course. And I tell people about that a lot. Tell me what you love about Jamie's system called paddock paradise. Well, well,
4: Well, this paddock paradise is just so simple. You know, all you do is string a line inside your current fence. And when horses are standing in a big field, uh, they just stand there. Mm -hmm. But when you provide a corridor for them to go along, so you string this line inside your fence line, Mm -hmm. and you provide a corridor like maybe four to six feet uh, in width, and they move along it if they have somewhere to go they'll move
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he hangs so, up the the hay nets around around this Corridor.
4: Too, yeah, you can so that keeps keep, that in mm-hmm. different places and you can make a you know in another compensation for domesticity. So you've you've got the trimming, you know, you have to get a good trimmer. Yeah. Absolutely. And you have to feed appropriately and you have to encourage movement, and you have to hydrate. You know, our, our domestic horses have, are often fed water in buckets, mm. and in a natural environment, they'd be in a watering hole or a lake or a river or whatever, hydrating internally and also hydrating their hoofs, which creates Thanks. the elasticity for that hoof expansion and contraction. So you might make a watering hole somewhere. Yeah. uh, near the feed or, you know, a puddle or something where they have to stand if they want to eat. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, so you, d- you get that hydration. Yeah. yeah we're not talking about, yeah. you know, the Pantanal here where we're soaking their feet 24 seven or anything, but, but yeah, and right. no, absolutely hydration from outside and inside is, is ideal. Love. I love those sand pits where you can get, get them to do some rolling around so they really get their whole body stretched out and and I mean, there's some I think what you're saying is there are ways to prevent us even in this unnatural setting which we put horses in because we love them and we want to be around them and don't take that away because if we do that we condemn a lot of horses to death mm-hmm. we really need to figure out ways to keep our horses around and I think paddock paradise is one of those I think putting the hoof boots on and keeping the foot natural um because you're going to go over on Sunday this last I went up into this canyon with a couple of friends and we did a patrol ride which is um meaning that we got to go into areas where you don't always get to go publicly and it was rocky and it was bushwhacking and you know that's what you do on a patrol ride and um it was fun because I looked I looked at my I was taking my a cell phone when we go out to those areas. Unfortunately there's mostly service, but I had 38,000 steps on my iPhone. <laughs> Poor horse. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was the horse, not me. Mm-hmm. But the, <laughs> yeah. Poor right. legs. The, the cool <laughs> thing is we had follows on and yeah. this terrain was just horrific. And not something that the horse was, you know, we, we do trail riding, but it's just so exciting to think I'm doing okay you know as long as my horse is in shape i know i'm not destroying her feet you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it was you know it gives you the ability to spread the the whatever we might be taking away from their system on the day to make it a positive in the long run we're getting her back in shape we're not taking away her feet we are um getting her into oxygen levels that were less we were way up high which was uh-huh. part of it too that's what I love about you is that you're not out there just trying to sell a product because it's something that there's a market for, but that uh-huh. you're educating holistically for people to care and be fair to their horses that I for appreciate. Sure. about you. Mm-hmm.
4: For sure. Although, you know, I will say that, if anyone is considering hoof boots, I, I certainly would ask that cavallo be a choice they might make. Um, you know, in during my education, I and and you know the reason is I <laughs> firmly believe they're the best boot, you know. They're easy to put on, they don't come off. They you don't have to have a special trim. You know, they're they're really a functional fit for purpose product mm-hmm. and you know when we were talking about About hoof hydration, I was thinking also, um, you know, there's drainage in the Cavallo boots, which allows you to go through mud, rivers, bogs, etc. But Mm -hmm. we also just tape, like put duct tape inside the sole of the boots to cover the drainage holes and then fill the boots with water when it's really dry and we want to hydrate, you know, if if you can't. Go strand in a watering hole uh-huh. or, or create a puddle. You know, there's that use too. And then also the, about the shock absorption, because if you think about it, like a, even a bare hoof, like the outside wall is already tough. So, it's mm-hmm. not the outside wall that's horny hoof tissue, but mm-hmm. it's the sole that needs mm-hmm. protection. So, mm-hmm. you really want to protect the whole thing.
2: Yeah. And absolutely.
4: so, you know, for a laminitic attack or something like that, we offer a variety of insoles and pads that you can put in like when it when it first happens you have to take immediate action and do some cooling therapy and and again the boots are great for that because you can put the boots on put a nice soft insole in and and then just run do some water therapy when you're waiting for the vet to arrive you know and then you can move up to a harder insole so that you have the counter effect of a hard surface for that expansion and contraction. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, we, we have thought about how we can improve the product itself and how it is part of the holistic horse preventative issues, laminitis, navicular disease, you know, pedal osteitis, all those ring bone, side bone, splints, arthritis, yes. all mm. that stuff that... People accept as part and parcel of horse ownership, but, you know, horses have been on the planet for 50 million years. It's not yes. like the hoof is a design flaw or they're a design flaw <laughs> and it needs medication right. or, you know, shoes to fix.
1: That's right. That's right. So we shouldn't be so panicked about laminitis. I mean, you know, staying up. Late at night, thinking, you know, how do I prevent this Achilles heel of horses? Ha ha ha! But we should we should be thinking about our our horse holistically. Is that what I'm hearing?
4: Absolutely. And you know what? I you know I really have to include here that because we talked about this at the beginning. You know, your demeanor and what you bring into your horse's presence makes mm-hmm. such a big difference. Yeah. And if you come in worried. And, you know, they'll pick it up. It's like, okay, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. We've we've had some stories of people being so committed, like the vet would recommend putting the horse down and the Mm -hmm. owner would be saying, no, this is going to work. And we have so much power that is untapped and we can really affect our horses with it. So, you know, think positive thoughts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, superpower women, you you know, <laughs> right.
1: educate That's yourself, right. get a hold of Carol and find <laughs> out what we should be thinking and doing. I know we just put out a series on our Equus Online University and it's on yoga and the equestrian. And mm. it, it was fun because the gal that does it is Ashley Mancuso and she was up on one of our Mustangs. She came, flew out and just, brave soul, just trusted us (laughs) to get up on a Mustang and do this yoga on top of this Mustang. It's only, he's very young too. And he was a BLM Mustang and what she did with him, just with her physiology is Mm -hmm. so interesting to watch because we think we've got our physiology, right, but there's nothing like sitting on top of a horse to tell you whether your physiology is right or not. And just watching his ears, like I said before, but also watching where he's paying attention. If he's relaxed, if his, uh, Head is held lower as the session that goes on. You know, just all those things. It's like a biofeedback machine. You <laughs> know, it's
4: really mm-hmm. it's and the really breath has so much to do with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned that holding their breath and they do. You know, where they're when they're stressed or in pain or something. But if we breathe, you know, the molecules that we breathe in, we pass to them. And if we're both breathing, <laughs> we're in sync yes and they will yeah that's so positive thanks debbie you're always so uplifting
1: oh carol it's fun to have you on and i just i love what you're doing out there and i just want to encourage you to keep on doing it as long as you have energy in your body and it sounds like you're going to be like my parents they're like everybody bunnies they just never (laughs) there's such a passion they they don't slow down much and you and greg are in that Mm. same category for me
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit of yoga and a glass of wine once in a while makes. Well, a you got to do that.
1: Yeah, you got to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, thanks so much for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. It's good. You, you know, safe travel all the way to New Zealand. We'll be looking at your social medias and everything and see how that that's going and send photos if you can. Love you.
4: Thanks so much for supporting us, Debbie. Love you.
3: Cavallo Horse & Rider offers a wide range of innovative products that provide comfort, protection, support, and value for you and your horse. Cavallo's easy-to-use, economical, and effective hoof boots are available in three styles and six sizes to fit your horse's hooves and your riding style. Cavallo's got your back, too, with their Total Comfort System saddle pads for English, Western, and Tucker saddles. Look for Cavallo Simple, Sport and Trek hoof boots and saddle pads at your local tack store or you can visit them online at cavallo-inc.com.
1: Tabitha Cox joins us today to share about the Sable Island horses. Sable Island means literally island of sand, and it's a small Canadian island situated about 300 kilometers, about 190 miles southeast of Halifax, Nova Scotia. And it's about 175 kilometers or 109 miles southeast of the closest point of mainland Nova Scotia in the Atlantic Ocean. This island is staffed year-round by four federal government staff and a few more during the summer months when research projects and tourism increases. Notable for the Sable Island horse, the island is protected and managed by Parks Canada, which must grant permission prior to any visit. The Constitution of Canada specifically names the island as a protected national park. Well, welcome, Tabitha Cox. I'm so excited to have you all away from Nova Scotia on the line. How are you?
0: I'm great. Happy to be here.
1: I hope people will start to hear your Canadian accent because I'm just so proud of what you guys have done up there. And I'm always amazed at how you guys cut through the stuff and you get the job done on these national parks and animal welfare. And I'm just really happy. I, you, <laughs> I volunteered you to, to be the representative because I read a wonderful article that you are quoted throughout. How did that come about?
0: That's also through being voluntold. <laughs> um, I'm a bit of um, the one of the few people at the park, I guess, who's comfortable talking on the media. Um, I've had some media training, so generally, when something happens and radio station or TV is calling, they are just praying that I'm around and available <laughs> so that I can jump right in.
1: Uh, that's great. Well, it's great. Great great to have a professional on at least one of us here. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, I was fascinated by, I mean, the article was really about losing your last Sable Island horse that was kept at the uh, National Park Reserve where you are. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about where you work first, and then we'll go to the Sable Island idea.
0: Sure. So I work at the Shubenacatee Wildlife Park. Um, I'm head nature interpreter. Uh, The nature interpreters are there um, to teach the classes that come, the 4-H groups, the girl guides, the boy scouts. Any group at all can um, book like an education program with us to learn um, more about the animals. One of the more popular things we do is night tours because the animals are more active at night. We go around with flashlights and check them out then. And then we also do the special events. And The media stuff. So it's pretty fun. Definitely more public-facing than the direct animal care, but they're certainly the only reason we're there. So they're a big part.
1: Yeah, wonderful. And and I love that it is more of a reserve now. I guess it started off in 54, am I right, that you had this reserve for the area and then declared a national park in 2013 by the Canadian government. Is that right? Did I get my facts
2: right?
0: I don't believe... Our park wasn't made a national park. Uh, ah. We are a provincial park, so we are with the provincial government rather than federal. Mm. Uh, did open in 1954, sort of by accident. <laughs> um, legislation oh. was changing, <laughs> and you know people were being discouraged from keeping wild animals as pets, so they had to have somewheres to place these animals. Mm. So we're definitely on the reserve side, the rescue side, and we continue to be so.
1: Before I forget to ask you this, too, if people come to visit you, because I think they'll be fascinated by the whole, what you guys have set aside here, can they ride horses nearby? Are there other places that, you know, like a little, what we would call dude ranches or something where you can find some horses to ride there?
0: We are located definitely in sort of farm country. There's dairy farms around us, meat farms around us agriculture sort of all around the kids get off the bus and they're like why does it smell oh. <laughs> so definitely in the farmland right so I'm sure there's probably horses nearby there's a campsite nearby for sure there's definitely areas to ride horses throughout the province I can't think yeah. of one off the top of my head directly nearby but I'm yeah. sure there probably is
1: and so it's an outdoorsy area, outdoorsy things that people can do there in Nova Scotia, and you know, um, people should put that on their bucket list. I have it on my bucket list to do too, because you're just so wild out there and untamed for for even for Canada, I think, which is great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We're uh, very conveniently located near the airport, too, about 40 minutes from Halifax, 30 maybe from the airport, so that's useful. Yeah, you can just head right into the country rather than going into the city. Um, There's lots of neat things around, too, hiking and uh, parks and camping. The world's highest tides happen in that area as well. You can go river rafting on the tides that change enormously so it's pretty cool.
3: Wow, oh,
1: yeah. See, okay, so now I'm giving people an excuse to come to see those sable island horses. And and I know that you you kept some. I mean, you do you still take uh, wild animals if people have uh, you know su- suddenly found one and they don't want to keep them. They're not pets. Do they take them to your your, your park?
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We of course try to educate the public in that you know wild animals should stay wild and, you know, unfortunate natural causes happen. But if we can take in and rehabilitate, we absolutely do. Um, there's two excellent rehabilitation centers in the province as well that we work closely with. So if we can't take them, usually one of them can and vice versa.
1: Great so, yeah, example. Definitely Great to
0: example. Doing yeah. and helping.
1: <laughs> I lo- and an example of that is this last Sable Island horse that you had at the park didn't even have a name, even though people came from all over to visit him and and your belief in that was because
0: yeah, we don't want to encourage people to think of them like a pet. He was a wild animal, so even though we did feed him and raise him and care for him, we didn't want to give any specific names so that people come to the park looking for that particular animal, identifying it as something that could be something to keep. Um, they yeah. are still all wild animals with naturally wild instincts, mm-hmm. him included. I did, you know, when things are short-staffed and you need to help out or whatever, I was in mucking out, and he just so looks like, a horse. And I asked the coworker, like I was with, I was like, have you ever even touched him? And he's, he personally had not. Other people certainly had, but like, he just kind of watched us mucking things out, but didn't want to necessarily come any closer. They're not, not a pet, still a shy creature. (laughs) Still
1: as are all of them, I imagine on the island, except for the ones that maybe people toss a peanut to or something occasionally, (laughs) but. (laughs) Well then let's make the leap. So that is your Uh, reserve, your park reserve, and a sanctuary, but there is this little 99-acre, 42-kilometer sandbar near you, which is what people know to be the place of the Sable Island. Some people call them ponies, but they're really horses. Am I right?
0: Yes. They just barely squeak by that line. They're 13, 14 hands tall on average. So mm-hmm. just barely a horse. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think this is what our listeners will be fascinated by because it is a bit of a, it is a preserve, a reserve, because you've got these, these horses that are island-bound. And they, I guess the history is, you can stop me if I'm wrong on any of this, but back in the 1700s, these horses were left there what what did they imagine happened? Was this a shipwreck, or what happened?
0: There's so many legends and myths about mm. these same so Yeah, it is just this little sandbar of an island off the coast of Nova Scotia, and yeah, there's these all these wild horses. So I did speak when the horse passed away with my family, and my grandmother is still alive at 92 years old, uh-huh. and she said she'd always heard that they swam ashore from shipwrecks like that had wrecked on the island in the fog and the storms and stuff. And my parents were more like, you know, I think it was people trying to cover up what really happened. The Acadians were deported. It was a tricky situation now that we look back on in shame that we did that to those poor people. So we probably took, you know, their horses, maybe even had to hide them somewhere to get away with what we were doing to the persecution of the Acadians. So whether or not, that is true is also up for debate because I just don't think it was properly documented or written down. So gotcha. um, the record definitely shows that there were sources there starting in the 17. Hundreds and that they are yeah. descended from Acadian type of horses,
1: which is like an yeah. Iberian horse is what i what I read about um, so those are they've got a little Spanish Iberian would be maybe the tougher stock of the Andalusia if people need to kind of trace back I don't know if people have done hmm. blood work on the sable island horses probably
0: they certainly have and then once they were um, a little later and saved and protected, they, they did introduce some Arabian into mm. onto the island to help sort of help with the genetics of the mm. horses out there, so they weren't so inbred. Adding mm. in some new genes that way, so they have traced their bloodlines to those sort of two types of horses.
2: Gotcha.
1: Yeah, they're beautiful. I mean, they're funny looking in that they have a big head and little short legs, but I imagine that's from generations now. I mean, the 1755, 1764, I heard some of these dates out there. They So they've Bread, bread, bread for generations now to become to, to survive. <laughs> Nova Scotia yeah. winds, rains. I can't even imagine how tough they are, uh, and they they adapt to eating that as a funny grass out there, a marum grass on the islands, and that's supposed to be very sharp on the edges. So. Yeah.
0: Anyone who's been to, you know, the sand dunes and walked through and got cuts on their legs from dune grass, that's basically what they're eating. So their lips and cheeks and things are definitely made of tougher stuff. They've hardened up.
1: Yeah. And amazing what, you know, evolution does, this evolving way to survive. And then they also, they grow an enormous coat on them, of course, and that must just stay year round. Is that right?
0: I believe it does. Ours at the park, his would kind of come and go. Like, it definitely got thicker in the winter. But I believe out on the island, it generally stays cooler even in the summer. So I'm thinking that theirs probably stays a bit more normal. Mm-hmm. But uh, his would definitely even kind of get a little bit curly almost because it was just so long mm-hmm. in the winter. But, yeah, people would definitely look at him and be like, "What's what's with that horse when they didn't realize they were looking at a particular yeah. unique type of horse?
1: Yeah, and then one of the other uh, survival things that they've been able to do is Eats, well, that grass grows in sand. And anybody knows, I mean, anybody who's been on the loams of uh, northern Germany where uh, uh, there was, you, you know, those um, plains, the alluvial plains are very sandy. And horses and sand don't go very well together. But if they're pulling this grass up, they've got a lot of sand in their systems and it wears down their teeth. And all, all these things work against them, right?
0: The Museum of Natural History in Halifax has a beautiful just recently updated um, permanent display about the Sable Island horses, and they have one of the skulls there that shows how ground down the teeth get from all of the sand. And that's partly why it's so great that they did stay small, or probably why they stayed small, is they are probably not getting a ton of nutrients. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. sand in their stomachs, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. And it's just not a very nutritious grass to begin with, I could not imagine. And then all the salt, too. I mean, salt is so dry. I remember seeing at that display as well about how even the water can be kind of brackish, depending on how much the waves have come into the small little freshwater ponds. And one part of the island doesn't really have any freshwater areas. And the horses Mm. kind of dig these wells into Mm. the sand to drink from. So they're definitely getting sand and salt in their water, too.
1: Right. What an adaptation. And, and mm-hmm. then, there, uh, yeah. And then there's, um, I guess, some sort of kelp that they supplement their diet with too. So it's not yep. just, the, yeah. They, so that's got to be salty and that's washing ashore. Imagine. So it's, it's yeah. uh, free choice, but there probably ain't that much choice. I don't know. No. <laughs> it's just amazing. So one of the fascinating things that it's going, I know in our circles, we talk about antibiotics for horses. We talk about dewormers for horses and here are these horses that have survived hundreds of years now and there's what what's what's the herd like on this 99 acre long strip of a sandbar
0: well it fluctuates year to year with you know overgrazing or harsh winters or whatnot but it can be anywhere from 200 to 500 horses wow. on that tiny strip of island
1: that is amazing amazing so obviously nobody's going out there and worming them <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or giving them antibiotics or there isn't is there any invasiveness from humans at all other than just observation?
0: When the Prime Minister protected the horses, it was actually in the shipping act because that's what Sable Island was part of, was run by like the coastal areas. So it was part of the shipping act that you could not disturb the horses in any way. And then when it was recently made a federal park. That rule still stands, and if you go like on the federal park page, like it says, do not disturb mm-hmm. these horses. You are not allowed to go near them, feed them, touch them, anything. So that would certainly include any medical care as well. Yeah, they would to let them just be wild, natural creatures.
2: Yeah,
1: which I love, so that we can observe, yeah. observe their behaviors. The, land to the romance. Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah, the whole island of wild, free, happy horses. It's beautiful right. to think about.
1: I would think even more isolated in some ways than Mustangs, and you don't have to answer that. But I mean, you know, Mustangs in the deserts often mix in sometimes with some housing areas and you know there can be a few carrots tossed out every once in a while and i it's just amazing that there is this completely untouched ecosphere that they're in one of the things was fascinating is how much how much the parasites are in their intestines and stomach and they're living and it sounds gross but i was reading that here's a 14 hand 13 hand Horse, And an average fecal count in a domestic horse is maybe 500 eggs per gram, something like that. And these are carrying around not only all that sand, but maybe up to 1500 eggs per gram. Is that right? I read
0: that in that study too. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> Three times as much in a little we just- horse.
1: Yeah, which means they can survive on that. And we are we are losing that battle with resistance. You know, we've got resistance going on to treatments of parasites. And there's this, uh, you know, some people say we over, you know, it's like antibiotics for people or antibiotics for, for animals too, that we have a growing resistance in that. And what are we going to do about that if we're doing that? Maybe for horses that are not under a high performance environment, Maybe they can do with a little bit more parasites than we think. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Certainly an interesting question, and I believe that's why these biologists do go out to study them. There's been a yeah a few different studies that all seem to be on how are they still surviving with inbreeding, with these mm. illnesses. And then also there is a small portion of people who also think they shouldn't be out there at all, that they are technically an invasive species. They were introduced Mm. to a very delicate island ecosystem that should not be there. So there is always that back and forth. But then what is natural? How long does it take to be considered (laughs) natural?
1: Exactly. It's always a very
0: big big
1: debate. I love it. Well, I mean, I just, I love it when horses are in the the news because, uh, you know, it brings more awareness of their unique attributes, whether Mm -hmm. people consider them a a pet or a a recreational, you know, tool, or whether they just love horses in general and want to see them natural. I would say they, you know, I always make a joke that if with the Mustangs, if you take a, a rocket scientist, brilliant guy, gal, and put them out in the middle of the Nevada desert, and you take a Mustang out there, my money is always on the Mustang surviving, yeah,
0: <laughs> right? Absolutely. And I would definitely per- say that photographers are, you know, second to the biologists. there. There's ah. definitely lots of biologists, but we, there's photo books in our gift shop that are just Beautiful mm-hmm. photos of the horses out there that these photographers get to capture while they're out visiting. So That's any deep. quick Google search can find you beautiful photos of Sable Island horses.
1: Well, I think they should go there and see those beautiful horses in Sable <laughs> Island. And uh, yeah. I hope to come visit you, Tabitha Cox, and, <laughs> and see how, where do people find out more. Is there a website about Shubi? Shubanakati? Your park. <laughs> yep.
0: Um the Shubanakity uh, Wildlife Park is just wildlifepark.novascotia.ca.
3: Perfect. Perfect. And if
0: our name is a tongue twister. <laughs> it is.
1: It is. I like Shuby a lot better. If yep. <laughs> is there a phone number where people can reach the, the park itself too for more information? Um
0: yes. Oh. 2040
1: Okay, and we'll put it in the show notes, too, so people can find you. But thank you so much, Tabitha Cox. This is fascinating to me, and it's just fascinating that there are still pockets like this, and I'm so glad that you and all your colleagues are working so hard to keep people informed. I appreciate you.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely a fun and rewarding
4: job. Good job. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say
3: a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
2: Leave this world a better place and The magic in the language of the earth. Dear Monty, my horse refuses to accept a turnout rug. I've been kicked several times and my hands have been burned because the horse bolts away from me as I attempt to put the rug over the potty. He has pulled back and broken the tie several times. Please help me. Monty's answer. This problem exists worldwide. I should be clear that I recommend one never place the first rug or blanket on a horse that is tied up. It is also true that one should never tie up a horse for rugging if there is any anticipation of trouble at all. If one discovers a fear of the rug, then there should be no attempt to rug him up until there is a certainty that all fear is alleviated. Carry out all the procedures that I recommend for the spooky horse, including join up, training to the dually halter, plastic bags on the stick, and even a large tarpaulin. Once you are proficient in applying my concepts regarding spooky horses, then I advise you to repeat these processes until it's possible to cover the horse in a plastic tarpaulin without evoking spooky behavior. Anyone reasonably familiar with proper handling of horses can get it done in two to three half-hour sessions. The dually halter should be used to educate the horse to cooperate with the halter rather than resist it. Plastic bags should be presented to the horse so that he learns to relax, which causes the bag to go away. This should be repeated until several plastic shopping bags fixed to the end of a light bamboo cane can be rapidly moved towards the horse, stroking his body and legs and even up between the hind legs. When the subject horse will allow the plastic bags to fly all about him and touch him all over his entire anatomy, then one is ready to move on to the plastic tarpaulin. It can be rubbed over the horse at first and even spread out on the ground to walk over. The Dooley halter will greatly assist with cooperation during this process. At that point, one can begin to place the tarpaulin over the horse, first rolled up to reduce the stimulus, and eventually wide open and tossed over the horse, the same as one would do with a rug.
1: For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to montyroberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page.
2: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forums, And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at montyroberts.com the wide wide world of sports is going on here where in the world is monty roberts
1: monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends two-legged and four-legged let's lay out 2020 january february monty is in australia training thoroughbreds then in march six through eight we have a horse and healing and then may one through three we have another horse and healing may 14th it's monty's birthday it's his 85th may 18 to 22 advanced exams with denise heinlein and monty june 21 22 and 23 is with monty roberts temple grandin rick lamb and other outstanding speakers and trainers I'm really looking forward to the movement June 29th through July 3 has a Monty special training, Portuguese translation, and then we have July 24 through 26 is a horse sense and healing for veterans and first responders. August 3 through 7, Monty special training. I don't know what year we're into right now, but I think we started back in 2006 with Monty Special Training Annual. Then August 17 through 28, we have our two-week Gentling Wild Horses course, and then September 11. Let's stop right there. 11 through 13, the Horse Sense and Healing Clinic.
3: That's enough for everybody to memorize and rehash. That's a lot. That's a lot (laughs) going on. And if you could, I spread it all out. You spread it all out. You've got everything from January all the way through September. We've got. A assortment of different types of activities going on over there at Flag is Up Farms. And if you could not commit all of this to memory, and who could, you can find it all all and more at Roberts.com, Or you can give the kind folks at Flag is Up Farms a call at 805-688-6288. And if you couldn't memorize that phone number, you can go to Roberts.com And the phone number's there, too. So it's a win-win. <laughs> You got so, it all covered. You got it all covered. <laughs> For details about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com and you'll find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. And we love your feedback. It helps us make the show better. We love to hear from you. Follow Monty on Facebook. Just go in there and type in Monty Roberts. Click on the like and follow button. See what's going on. You can also follow Monty on Twitter and Instagram. His handle on in both places is Monty underscore Roberts. And in order to listen to this show and lots of others, you need to get the Horse Radio Network app. It works on your iTunes, your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store, search Horse Radio Network, download it today, help your friends. They can download it. If, you're, if you are the not tech-savvy person in your social <laughs> group, have one of your more tech-savvy friends help you download it. And That's then right. uh, buy them an adult or child's beverage. It's going to be a child's beverage. Get them an ice cream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very nice.
3: Great ideas. Don't you love getting those little checks in the
1: app too? Every time I listen to all the way through an episode, it gives me a little, I don't know, feel good check at the end. You know, (laughs) done that. (laughs) Ding. Did it. Like crossing it off my list. But all I had to do was listen. It's the easiest thing. So and many thanks to our sponsors, too. That is Omega Fields, that's Cavallo Horse and Rider, and Monty Roberts University. Be sure to visit all other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours, Jen.
3: I will.